0: The R&B Solutionist Thinking Podcast Series for the creative minds with a passion for possibility hosted by Bruce Whitfield. Today's guest is Dr. William Mappin. He is the founder and chief executive of Vula Mobile. Now, we all know that healthcare is problematic in South Africa. The delivery of healthcare to nearly 60 million people on what is a substantial but badly spent budget is a real problem particularly when you go into south africa's rural areas There are not enough clinics they're not enough hospitals often these places are not properly managed and staffed and so if you need specialist care in a rural area in south africa and you don't have access to a private car to get to the nearest big city how do you get access and we've been hearing stories for years about how technology can bridge that gap but it's always seemed quite theoretical Dr. William Appham has found a solution to the problem.
1: I would value Vula and I would work for it full time if it was seeing more patients than I could possibly see in a day. So in Swaziland we used to see 80 patients in a day each, and, but it was a very slick system, all paperless, and it was built that way, so it was possible. Uh, Vula is now seeing uh, between 350 and 400 patients every day. So I do think that I'm able to work for it full time, I can justify that, and... Basically, the thrill I get is seeing that patients are getting specialist-guided healthcare every day across the country. Now it's in six provinces. That's the thing that really means something to me.
0: I'm Bruce Whitfield and you're listening to RMB Solutionist Thinking. It's an app. Wula yes. Mobile is an app, like everything else in the world today, that connects specialists with clinics and hospitals and facilities, healthcare facilities. They don't have access to the sort of stuff that you might get at the Morningside Clinic or you might get at a hospital in Claremont and Cape Town, for argument's sake.
1: Yeah, that's spot on. It started off as a, just for ophthalmology. I am an ophthalmologist, and so we decided to start with eye care. And we first designed it in Swaziland, where there was one eye clinic for the whole country. It was the Vula Mechlo, which means Open Your Eyes Eye Clinic. So the, the name of the app is a hark back to where it all first began. And as the community health workers and other health workers in rural areas started to communicate with the specialists, other specialists asked if they could uh, join the platform. And we've just launched our 20th specialty now. So it's ranging from cardiology, dermatology, emergency medicine, even psychiatry. And the latest one is TB. So it's really interesting to see how... Other people have seen the benefit, and then we've helped them enlarge the system.
0: What was your connection to Swaziland? Why was it that this idea was sparked there?
1: So it goes back a long time. Um, I think I failed ophthalmology as a, a medical student. I wasn't very clever at that stage. But when I was an intern, I wandered into the wrong theater. I was there a bit later than usual last in, the, in, in the evening, and I saw cataract surgery for the first time. I can still remember that operation. It really fascinated me. And I always thought, oh, one day I'll go into eye care, one day. And then when I went to work in the rural Eastern Cape for the next few years, um, I always thought I would go into eye care somehow. And we organized a very rural conference then, and the ophthalmologist from Swaziland came to that conference. So I said, oh, please, can I come and work with you? And he said, sure, but um, we don't have a, a budget, so you have to work for free and volunteer. And at that stage, I didn't really have that much cash, and I thought, well, one day I'll have uh, cash to do that. And I visited them two or three times over the next uh, three or four years, and then there was sort of a defining moment when I was working in the field of HIV and AIDS, and actually went climbing and had a, a bad accident where I almost lost my life. And I decided then, literally as I got down, I said to my now wife, I'm giving up my job, I'm going to go and join Jono in Swaziland. Um... And the nice thing about his clinic there is that although it's the only clinic, it's got a paperless-based system. There's incredible technology there. It's really kind of a state-of-the-art service. Uh, people get billed on a sort of a grading scale according to how much money they have. So the poorer patients all get the service for free, and the richer ones are known as Robin Hood patients, and they get a special room and that sort of thing. Um, and get treated uh, slightly differently. But at the end of the day, they all get the same treatment. So going there, I didn't just see how to learn how to be an ophthalmologist. I also learned to see how a system can actually make a a big difference. And this is a private clinic in Swaziland? No, it's actually a public sector clinic. Um, So the the chap who started it, Dr. Jonathan Pons, was very clever. So a third of it's actually funded by the government, Uh, a third um, through drug sales and patients actually paying, and a third through sponsorships that he's managed to, to raise. And when one goes up, he manages to get money from the other ones. So he's been very, very clever in the way he set it up. So it's not not completely reliant on one particular funder.
0: And it keeps everybody honest and keeps everybody working hard. I suspect it was there that then you came across this idea that you could use digital technology in order to deliver healthcare in a non-traditional way. You, as an ophthalmologist, don't need, necessarily need to be in a remote clinic to give advice to a local doctor you can diagnose using a cell phone camera whether somebody has a cataract or simply an eye infection, I wouldn't know Yes, no, we
1: can can soon teach you (laughs) 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 Uh, What's amazing is to see how people have actually used it and one of my favourite examples is Sister Elisabeth Torneson she works at a clinic in Friedendahl, which is uh, five hours up the west coast and I think it's set the highest temperature for South Africa ever Um, so it's a pretty hot place Um, but there's a huge community that there's basically reliant on this clinic and she used Vula to um, chat to us and to send patients through over a couple of years to Tigerberg, and then she stopped uh, sending patients and we'd kind of got to know her so we thought that she had moved and so we wanted to see where she had gone so we phoned her and said you know congratulations on your new job you know where is it and she said no I just know what to do now. And then she raised money from the Department of Health. She built an eye clinic in Friedendahl, she takes referrals from her area, from other health workers, and now specialists go once a month to operate for her. So I think the long term effect that we've seen when Vulas use is incredible because it actually takes healthcare to where it's needed. In kind of an evidence-based and reliable manner.
0: The theory being with great digital technology is, and I don't know if it does happen yet, we see TV ads like this where the specialist is able to use um, technology here, so effectively be working operating equipment 5,000 kilometers away and actually doing the surgeries themselves. Is that science fiction or science fact?
1: No, it's starting to happen, but it's not really happening that much in South Africa at the moment, mm-hmm. especially in where you've got areas that don't have the best uh, connection. And so what we discovered was that rather than trying to have a direct connection all the time, we used a chat system that uses between 20 to 100 times less data than WhatsApp. So it works in deep rural areas or even inside the bunker of a a big tertiary hospital. Um, And that's the best way to communicate because if it's asynchronous and it's chat, the doctors can reply between their own patients Rather than having to both be online at exactly the same time, which is actually quite hard to, to organize.
0: Give me a practical example. Um, somebody, um, is is struggling to see and they are in Kumcha in the Eastern Cape. It's a fairly remote, small village. There's an old mission station there. Not much else. Um, and, but there's a clinic and somebody comes in and they've got a massively swollen eye and they and they decide that they need to get hold of Dr. William Mapham. Um,
1: How would they do it? Yeah, so it's amazing. Actually, it's very close to a real example we had where um, a young kid was actually hit on the head with a stick, a lot of swelling, and he needed to be sutured up. So the surgeon sutured his wound up. And because he had the vision test uh, on the Vula app, he thought, I oh, might as well test the vision as well. He tested the child's vision and the child couldn't see in that eye. He couldn't see what the problem was, but when he sent the photographs through with the information on the app, we could see there was actually a laceration through his cornea, all five layers of the cornea. And so we asked for him to be transferred directly to us. We sutured him up, and the child went back being able to to see. So I think um, it's not just about eye care. It's also the fact that other specialties now are all involved and everyone's able to do the right tests for the right people. Who talks to whom?
0: I mean, you've got somebody in a rural clinic and somebody comes in showing, you know, complaining of chest pains. Um, and you've got cardiologists on the platform. Um, is it as simple as a, a one swipe and you can then pick between ophthalmologist, cardiologist and knee specialist?
1: Yeah, essentially. So that's, it's all used by health workers. It's not used by patients. So your clinic nurse or your clinic doctor would say, oh, I need to get an opinion here. You click on New Referral, and the list of specialties is there. You choose the one that you need from the list of current 20. If it's chest pain, it could be TB or it could be a cardiology problem. And so then they click on that. It tells them immediately who's on call in that area for that specialty. So no phoning around, trying to get hold of a doctor or anything like that. They get put in, put in contact directly with the right person at the right time. And then we do publish the response times to the specialists, and generally they're seeing patients sort of between their normal patients when they make a reply, and the average response time is about 15 minutes. So this is incredible. Um, if you take Cape Town, for example, right now, if you go to any private GP here and you say, right, I've got a skin problem, I think it might be cancer, what should I do? Uh, it'll take you about a month to get an appointment in private. Or if he's on Vula, sort of Vula Empower GP in a way, uh, he can click on dermatology. It's got Red Cross, Tigerberg, and Cure on there directly with the doctor on call, the dermatologist on call, and they'll give you an answer within 15 minutes. So I think the real future for South African healthcare, if you look at in terms of the national health insurance and initiatives like that, if we can make the public health system so good that people actually start using it or using it more, uh, there'll be more room for collaboration with the private sector.
0: And it becomes, you know, theoretically anyway self-funding because if you can scale the costs in the same way as if you are somebody with medical aid here the medical aid rates and that rate is paid into the public rather than the private sector the public sector ends up getting financial support from the public from the private sector um, and that way becomes sustainable
1: yeah it's very exciting to see what's going to to happen and i think um, if you look at south africa we're actually blessed with health resources we've got in every single town, there's a private hospital next to a public hospital in, you know, in many cases, which means that there's so many resources in most places that we're just not making the most of it. And I think that with systems like Vula, we can help people really make the most of the local resources. And. Make a difference.
0: Is there a commercial advantage to medical professionals, to the specialists being on the platform, if they are willing within 15 minutes between patients to give a diagnosis or give advice or uh, create the referral system that is needed? Is there a commercial incentive for them to do that?
1: So this is a common question. Um, In the public sector, we work in teams. So at Tigerberg Hospital, there were 10 of us on call, and we rotated the person on call. There's always someone available. So it's our job to help patients in the public sector. And when people either phone in or write to us or use Vula, we are the ones that make the response. And that's our job. We paid a salary to do that. So we're not paid per referral. It's just our our job. The private sector is different because often there aren't teams. They're individuals. So you could have 20 specialist cardiologists at a hospital, but they don't work as a team. And there's not one person on call all the time or on Christmas Day or New Year's people go on holiday. So it is a bit different in the private sector, and we're busy looking at ways of how it could possibly work uh, because what we've seen with Vula is in the public sector, it saves 30% of referrals, physical referrals coming through. Uh, that's a huge saving for patients and the system, and it would be exciting to see the same savings in the in the private sector too. How hard was it to get public sector
0: acceptance of a, a, an app like this because it does break the mold it does challenge the status quo changes the way in which public health care works for the better but often to get through a bureaucracy can be challenging
1: no yeah <laughs> it's a very good question um so when I first made it, uh you know, we got the money in two thousand and thirteen and we launched the app in July two thousand and fourteen and I just really believed that it was gonna suddenly kind of force of everyone's go to and, want like, this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that did not happen one little bit. Uh it was only in about October that we managed to get people in one department and one hospital starting to use it. And it sort of trickled through and then the following year there were two departments and then three. And at the end of two thousand and fifteen we were asked by other departments if if they could start using Vula. So it literally took uh, almost 18 months, two years before anyone really took me seriously.
0: Is there a legal risk associated with it? I mean, I'm not sure that you can necessarily do this in the United States in a more litigious environment than perhaps South Africa.
1: Is there an issue with
0: potential litigation?
1: Sure. So healthcare is very important to make sure everything is regulated. Um, One of my uncles happens to be a medical malpractice lawyer. So we get a lot of advice free from him. I also have our own lawyers, and it's very important to make sure everything is saved. One of the most important things is that records don't go missing, and one of the best things about Vula is the records are there in stone, time-stamped um, for any kind of legal reason in the future. Uh, we've just been made our system GDPR compliant, so it's being able to be used in Europe. We've had a request from one of the countries there. Uh, we haven't decided on America. My passion is uh, rural healthcare and healthcare in Africa. and other countries that are similar to our environment. Um, So I don't think we're going to America very soon, but uh, it's always a good idea to be ahead of legislative change and perhaps we'll make our system legal to be used there at the very least.
0: How do you evolve this application? Because at the moment it sounds all fairly altruistic and it's in the public sector. Is it something that you earn money off?
1: Yeah, so at the beginning of last year, um, we raised a little bit of money from a small equity raise, but we had no business model, and we had no idea of how we could even earn money. So it really was scraping the bottom of the barrel and... um we survived by winning prize money and various other initiatives. It's and,
0: amazing um, how many small businesses yeah. <laughs> bootstrap themselves through entering competitions. It's the SAB Kickstarter competitions and others, uh, many others. You won a couple of high profile ones in order to get the funding you need to get the thing built.
1: Yes. And that's the kind of our, our version of early stage equity sales, I guess, compared to the states where it's sort of a big funder coming in. Uh, last year was pretty hectic, so the middle of last year kind of really broke down, and I was, was totally exhausted, and we had no money. Um, I, I was determined to make this work. So, I mean, I could have, could have just gone and worked as a private ophthalmologist, but um, something just kept me going. Um, my wife was very supportive. She had a really, really nice car, which we uh, sold to pay rent. <laughs> so, she
0: was not, a not, it's, a, it's a happy laugh,
1: and it's like, well
0: done, you guys, but it's a real thing. People yeah. think people make up stories about how hard it was and here you are you're a medical doctor you're a specialist yes you're in the public not private sector but specialists get paid well you had to sell the luxury car to fund the business and you managed to convince her that she should
1: well yeah the um, payback
0: is going to be huge she's still making my
1: shirts for me so that's fine (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah luckily now we do have an advertising contract we're very supported by a pharmaceutical company called sanofi it's a french one we won their competition last year in Paris, and so that led to a contract with them. We also got a, a tender now with the Western Cape Department of Health. Uh, we've partnered with a couple of companies that we believe really add value to healthcare workers, so a financial services company called LifeCheck, which basically helps um, professionals develop their financial profile better, but they don't take any commissions from any products that they sell. Um, so we're trying to find ethical advertisers, not just releasing our advertising space.
0: And there's also a huge amount of collaboration, goodwill collaboration, that is creating its own miniature ecosystem.
1: Yeah, that's no, really interesting. Now we get approached by people saying, oh, are you are doing this? Can we help? Or uh, if you're talking about the expansion of systems. Uh, we're adding a system now where you can take a photograph of an X-ray. And it tells the health worker whether the patient's possibly got TB or not. So even before they've made a referral to a specialist, they're getting some um, feedback. So it's amazing to meet people who are doing these incredible things and helping them work together.
0: How are you changing the world? It seems, I mean, for anybody looking for a a real practical way of doing it, how are you changing the world?
1: Yeah, I said I said I I would value Vula and I would work for it full time if it was seeing more patients than I could possibly see in a day. So in Swaziland, we used to see 80 patients in a day each, and but it was a very slick system, all paperless, and it was built that way, so it was possible. Uh, Vula is now seeing uh, between 350 and 400 patients every day. So I do think that I'm able to work for it full time. I can justify that, and basically the thrill I get is seeing that uh, patients are getting specialist-guided healthcare every day um, across the country now, it's in six provinces. And it's just amazing. That's the thing that really means something to me.
0: How does it go from four hundred to four thousand to forty thousand to four hundred thousand? Because across this continent, that's feasible.
1: Yes, uh, we hope so. And um, what's nice is that we do have a runway of money now. We've never really had a good um, uh, in-house tech team before, so now we've managed to get a bit of money. We've got some revenue. We bring our tech uh, team in house, which means we can make features that can help us expand. Um, so I'm really excited about the, the future for us. How do
0: you make revenue? I mean, how do you actually make money out of this thing? Yes, I get the grant funding. Yes, I get the prize money. Yes, yes. I get the private equity backing. But how does it
1: earn money? So we've got uh, some advertising, uh, and that works very well. Uh, the government tender is not the biggest amount of money, but it helps us too. Uh, we get commissions for organizing doctor's meetings. So we get sort of paid per introduction, and that works very well as well. And then we're just negotiating a research contract with one of the universities, which will also help us produce better data. Uh, So, for example, the orthopedic department used our data to show where the specialist post should be in the country as opposed to just who shouts loudest in the allocation meeting. So I think the value over time is going to prove um, the data will become more and more valuable and people are willing to pay for that too.
0: What's the end game for Vula?
1: I guess I would like to see that everyone is able to get access to a specialist that's the main goal. I mean, if you should be in anywhere you are, and the health worker that you're with should have specialist guidance, I still believe that people are, are the most important part of healthcare. What you really want is a healthcare worker who cares for you, and we're there to support that person, whoever that is.
0: But there's also no reason why a private sector GP. Who rather than waste a specialist's time by making a referral for a 600 rand consultation, simply can't take a photo of the problem too. And the, the specialist can either say, yes, they must come and see me and therefore generate the fee, or say, no, actually, that's just a cloudy day, or whatever the
1: case might be. It's yeah, you're causing the reflection. <laughs> no, you're spot on. So we do have 20% of our users, although we've never targeted them, are in private. And many of them are private GPs who actually use the public sector specialists as a, a resource learning those things, what should be referred, or can they manage cases on their own? And I think the next logical step is to involve the private specialists, and I'm looking forward to doing that.
0: Dr. William Mappham is the founder and chief executive of Vula Mobile, an ophthalmologist by day, a tech entrepreneur in the three hours he's got spare once a week, but building this incredible application to revolutionize healthcare provision, not only in South Africa, but looking across our region and the continent with a license to go into Europe at some point in the future too. R&B, solutionist thinking. For more in this series, visit 702.co.za.